Good evening. We are back again, this time with week two of the Exiles series. And before I get to rock bottom, which is this week, uh, I want to remind you last week we talked about the golden calf and about the deal with the Israelites and how they had gone through so many examples of God's love and God's miracles and just everything that he was doing to lead them down the path. And yet, as soon as they had something in their path that, that they couldn't see or they couldn't feel him, they couldn't see him, Moses was gone for too long. Like, however reason, many reasons they had, they turned away from him. And we kind of saw how that went, and we talked about how we do that in our own lives. We can have uh, weeks of good times. We can have months of good times. We can have years of good times, although I'm not sure how that would work, but some people probably do. Uh, and in that time... We are very close to the Lord. We're very close to, to uh, our friends, our family. We're very close and loving, and, and we're, we're out there as Christians should be. And then something bad happens, or something hard happens, or we can't, something goes the wrong way, and, and we kind of change, which is where we're going with this week. And so first I want to read, there's a lot, but I'm going to get through it, and there's a lot of big names. And so if you are a Bible scholar, uh, don't ding me on how I pronounce some of these, just bear with me. Uh, but I want to talk about the exile and pretty much the first time that the Israelites had faced this kind of defeat. Definitely this kind, but pretty much any kind of defeat. So we're going to go with Jeremiah 39. In January of the ninth year of King Zedekiah's reign, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came with his entire army to besiege Jerusalem. Two and a half years later, on July 18th, in the eleventh year of Zedekiah's reign, a section of the city wall was broken down. All the officials of the Babylonian army came in and sat in, sat in triumph at the middle gate. Uh, Nergal Sherezer of Samgar and Nebo Serakim, uh, told you, a uh, chief officer, and Nergal Serazar, the king's advisor, and all the other officers of the king of Babylon. When King Zedekiah of Judah and all the soldiers saw the Babylonians had broken into the city, they fled. They waited for nightfall and then slipped through the gate between the two walls behind the king's garden and headed toward the Jordan Valley. But the Babylonian troops chased them and overtook Zedekiah on the plains of Jericho. They captured him and took him to King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, who uh, was at Riblah in the land of Hamath. There the king of Babylon pronounced judgment upon Zedekiah. The king of Babylon made Zedekiah watch as he slaughtered his sons at Riblah. The king of Babylon also slaughtered all the nobles of Judah. Then he gouged out Zedekiah's eyes and bound him in bronze chains to lead him away from Babylon. Meanwhile, the Babylonians burned Jerusalem, including the royal palace and the houses of the people, and they tore down the walls of the city. Then Nebuchadnezzar, uh, the captain of the guard, took as exiles to Babylon the rest of the people who remained in the city, those who had defected to him and everyone else who remained. But Nebuchadnezzar allowed some of the poorest people to stay behind in the land of Judah, and he assigned them to care for the vineyards in the fields. So besides making fun of myself there a little bit with my pronunciations, what I wanted to read this for is this is the fall of Jerusalem. This is the time when the Babylonians came in and exiled the Israelites. Now, we're, most of us as Christians, we're familiar with a lot of Israel's history. We're familiar with the prophets and with the Old Testament. And, and when we get to the Pharisees and how they, they turned away Jesus and, and uh, Jesus and the disciples and how they shifted that history and just we're familiar with all of that. It's something that as Christians we talk about a lot in churches, etc. 
but we don't often talk about this because it's hard to talk about, uh, not just with the names, but it's hard to talk about because this is basically rock bottom for Israel. This is basically the moment when they lost everything, when they were defeated. Now, if you go through the Old Testament and you look through Joshua and you look through uh, Samuel and you look through all of these different books where, where uh, the kings and the, the prophets would lead them in battles, like they would win time after time after time uh, because they had God with them. But one of the reasons I started with the golden calf is they had this bad habit of continually turning away. Uh, they would not listen to the prophets like Jeremiah. Now, Jeremiah, which I've talked about before in different messages uh, about depression, he dealt with stuff like that. But he was called the weeping prophet because he would talk about destruction coming. He would talk about this moment. He would talk about, you've got to go to God. You've got to listen. You've got to, to care about other people than yourself. You've got to pay attention. You've got to be better uh, and be ready. And he would say all of these things, but nobody wants to hear that. We want to hear everything's going to be okay and you're doing the right thing and, and you're always right. We want to hear those things, no matter who we are, no matter where we are, we want to hear those things. And so because they were so in love with that, because they were so in love with listening to their politicians over their prophets, over the experts, over everything like that, this fall happened and it was devastating. It was awful. And I read some of the horrific parts that happened. But as I said, this is rock bottom. And so from here, and we'll go through the rest of the exile, and we'll go through how it went. But there's a saying from a, not a prophet at all, and not even a philosopher. His name is Mike Tyson, if you know who he is. Don't be like him. Don't go with most of his sayings. But when he was young and first started boxing, he was great. Like, he was amazing. He, he was so fast and strong, and they made a Nintendo game out after him. And if you make a Nintendo game cover, then you are amazing. Like, you're worth that. And so, most of you guys don't even know what Nintendo is anymore, but anyway, so he said pretty much just one thing that kind of made sense in terms of things that you should pay attention to. He said, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Now, in boxing, obviously, that is you can go in and you can train and you can be like, I've, got, I've been sizing up Terry. I've been watching how he moves. I know how he punches. I know that he, he's heavy on his left hand, but, but doesn't have a good uppercut and all these things. And I don't even know what I'm saying. I'm not a boxing fan. Uh, and then you go into the match and you're prepared. And then you get punched in the face and all of your strategy goes away because you're shocked. And hopefully nobody here is boxing, but this goes in school. Like you have studied and studied and studied for uh, a big test coming up. Maybe it's an AP exam. Maybe it's the SAT. Maybe something else. And then the first question really throws you. It's something that was outside of what you expected. And you're like, man, I just got punched in the face. Like, this is insane. Uh, maybe with work, like you've prepared for a presentation. You've prepared for a case. You've prepared for something else that people do. And, and you get to the moment where it's about time to go, where you've been so prepared, and then somebody else says something you were going to say, or somebody else asks something that you weren't ready for, and you get punched in the face. Now, that is very different from rock bottom, but rock bottom is like the ultimate punch in the face. And I'm going to see how many times apparently I say punch in the face in one message. But rock bottom is when you are crashed, like when the worst thing happens, when you fail that test, when you get dumped, when you lose a friend, when you lose a family member, when you lose a job, when, when you're told you can't have prom, you can't have graduation, you can't go on summer vacations, you can't do this, things might not be normal in August, things might not start back up. When you get punched in the face with bad news or tragedy or something that hurts you, 
Something that is awful. Something that is very serious. Something that, that, that is difficult. And that's rock bottom. Now, we talk about rock bottom mostly in terms of addiction, where someone uh, is addicted to, to alcohol or addicted to drugs or addicted to, to something along those lines, and they overdose or something awful happens and they hit rock bottom, and that's the only way they can come forward. Um, I've spoken about my sister before, who is an amazing uh, family woman and, and mother and, and wife and Christian and all of these things now, but she hit rock bottom first uh, in originally early on in her life and it was hard to see but through that she learned through that she she understood now I'm not going to say and she wouldn't say I'm so glad this happened but because of that she understood things that she didn't before uh in my life I talked about depression and different times that things have fallen apart uh when I was in grad school like I went through this period of darkness and I've spoken to this a little bit before but it, it was so hard. Like I, I lost a couple of friends and, and I uh, got dumped kind of and twice in a row, which is it's a long story. And I'm not going to tell it here, but it was a difficult situation. and It was very hard and I'm already very hard on myself. And if you know me, you know, that's true. And, and so that just lowered me and lowered me. And I had trouble in a class like trouble for me. And, and it was, still was hard. And I didn't know what to do after grad school. I'm like, hey, I'm starting to learn that creative writing may not be the lucrative thing that I expected. And, and so I didn't know where I was. Uh, I, I didn't know my worth. I didn't know my value. I didn't know anything. And I was so down and so dark. And for me, I believe that was my rock bottom. Like I was I, I was not suicidal, but I was probably closer to that than I'd like to think about. But I was so devastated in so many ways in every facet of my life. My great-grandmother uh, was veering towards Alzheimer's. She wasn't bad yet, but this woman who, who was so strong and smart and, and, and wise and punishing sometimes, but, but still good, uh, she was starting to, to change little by little, and I would see that happen. And so all of these things were affecting me and, and affecting my mood and affecting who I was. And I will always remember the moment when, when I, I was watching a Seventh Heaven episode. And again, I've told this story because it's important to me. And I saw a kid on the show that had different things like I had, like different kinds of signs of depression. And I went and I prayed and I, I, I was lifted up and it was still a battle and it's still a battle today. But I always remember th those times. I remember that rock bottom. And I've had downs since then. I've had severe downs. I've had troubles. I've had uh, employment problems, money problems, all kinds of things. And this doesn't separate me from anybody else. I'm sure that a lot of people are, are nodding right now like, yeah, I've been through that. And, and it sucks. But right now in this, this story, Israel is at the rock bottom. Now, every time you're at rock bottom, there will be somebody who says, well, there's only way, one way to go from here. That's not necessarily true. I would like it to be true. But unfortunately, some people decide. They make the decision to stay there. or They make the decision to uh, go parallel to rock bottom. They make the decision to not turn to the Lord. They make the decision to not change their lives. They make the decision to just give up. And that's never the right thing to do. But when you have that moment, and I hope that you're able to avoid it, but there are going to be tragedies in your life, unfortunately. When you have that rock bottom moment, you have this chance not to be like, oh, I'm so happy that I, I got dumped. I'm so happy that I failed. I'm so happy that I lost this thing or this person. I'm so happy. No, 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 no. But to say, okay, this really sucked. 
So what can I learn from here? Or man, I had a graduation. I had a prom. I had a vacation. I had plans for this fall. I had a a, a football scholarship coming up. Or I had tickets to Ohio State, Indiana, which is the biggest game of the year. I had tickets to, to Disney World. I had tickets to Kings Island. I had plans, blah, blah, blah. And now they're exploding, and this sucks, and I'm going to punish everybody but me. That's how a lot of people are reacting. That's how a lot of people always react. But for us, we are leaders. Whether you see yourself as that or not, we are in the situation like Jeremiah is about to be in, which I'll tell you, where even when things are awful, even when we're hurting, even when we're devastated, it doesn't mean we can't mourn, it doesn't mean we can't be sad, it doesn't mean we can't hurt, because we will and we do, and I can promise you that I do. But we stop and we say, okay, this sucked. How can I learn from this? How can I go forward? And I'm not saying like as soon as something bad happens, you pop up and you're like, okay, I'm good now. I'm saying you take the time to talk, to pray, to think. And this is an awful thing that Israel went through. Now, their history after this to now has not been devoid of conflict. Like they've still had issues, but they've maintained to be, well, everything's been better than this at least, I guess I'll say. Uh, They still struggle. They still have issues. Uh, Everybody does. But we look at those moments where it's the worst, where we get punched in the face and where all of our plans change. Uh, I've said before, I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to be a politician, like all these different things. And that changed. It kept changing. Uh, I'm very happy with what I'm doing right now. Um, and, And it's still hard sometimes when you face different issues, financial, emotional, personal, to to be like, well, what if I'd done this? What if I'd done that? And I'm sure that in the the days, the years, the the decades following this defeat, they probably did the same thing. And and not all of them went the right way, I could tell you that. And, And to lose your family, to lose your life, to lose things like that, it's so devastating. I'm not equating what I've talked about in my own life with, with what happened here. But just saying, rock bottom, it sucks. There's no way around it, it does. But it always is an opportunity. I'm not saying it's always good. I'm not saying it's happy. I'm saying that you always have the opportunity to learn, to grow, to move forward, to help. Uh, Going on to the next part, which is verse 11. King Nebuchadnezzar had told Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the guard, to find Jeremiah. See that he isn't hurt, he said. Look after him well and give him anything he wants. So Nebuzaradian, the captain of the guard, uh, Nebuzaradan, a chief officer, apparently all have like the same kind of name, uh, Nergal Sherezer, the king's advisor, and the other officers of Babylon's king sent messengers to bring Jeremiah out of the prison. They put him under the care of uh, Gedaliah, son of Ahikam, the grandson of Shaphan, and took him back to their home. So Jeremiah stayed in Judah, Judah among his own people. Uh, this is not something Jeremiah expected. Now, he was close to the Lord and he knew what was going to happen. But as we saw with Peter, as we saw with the disciples, you can know the Lord and you can know the scripture. But until you actually see it, until you actually realize it, until you actually understand it yourself, uh, it can be confusing. Like Peter with the denials, the denials or, or, or uh, Thomas with the doubting, like all of these different things. And so Jeremiah had been talking for years, for years about what would happen if they weren't careful, about what was going to happen to the country, about what was going to happen to everyone they loved. And and so he's sitting in prison after everything that he has prophesied has come true. Now, everybody else around him who wasn't a Lord's prophet, they were saying, no, 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 he's wrong. It's going to be okay. We're good. We're doing awesome things. We're rich and we have the right things. We're the best. We're the greatest. 
Uh, so don't worry, just don't change a thing. And Jeremiah's like, guys, I hate saying this, and this actually seriously devastates me, but it's not great, and it's not going to be great. And so he's sitting in prison, and he probably expects to die. He probably expects something awful to happen, because he's been kind of trained by that. And just shortly before this, he had been stuck in a pit, and he had been saved, and so he knew that life could be difficult. He knew what was hard. He knew that things... Uh, weren't always expected, but still he's in this, the midst of this rock bottom, not just for, for the nation, but for him too. Because even though he saw this coming because the Lord gave it to him, it still hurt. You can see something coming, you can expect it, and it can still hurt. It can still be devastating. It can still be awful. You can still be punched in the face to come back to that. And so he's sitting there in prison. Uh, he knows that he's a prophet of the Lord. He knows that, that his people didn't really listen to him. He knows that the Babylonians are not followers of God. And yet they pull him out of prison and say, don't hurt him. Now that's not something that I can even understand. I, I looked through actually commentaries and history books about this and nobody really knows why Babylon protected him. Uh, it's easy to say because God was with him and I believe that. But in terms of what Babylon thought they were doing, I have no idea. I have no idea. But all that matters is his expectations did not matter. His plans did not matter. What mattered was what happened and how he dealt with that. He could have said, you know what? I've given my life to the Lord and now I'm being protected by these other people and I know that God had a hand in it, but I'm just done. He could have said that. He could have said, I've given my life almost literally a few times now and I've been hurt and I've been thrown away and I've hit rock bottom and I just give up. I'm going to go my own way now. But he didn't. Jeremiah wasn't perfect, but he didn't. Uh, some of the people in Israel, like I said, they did say that. And it, it's hard to see and it's hard to hear and it's hard to feel. People in your life may do that. When they get that failing grade, when they get hurt, when they get dumped, when they get told no, they may say, yeah, I give up. And our job is to try to help them to listen, but we can't make that decision for them. I'd love to. But Jeremiah had to now deal with something that was beyond his expectations. And going back to the punch in the face thing, it is important to have dreams, to have plans, to have hopes, to think, well, this is what I want to happen in the fall. This is what I want to do for college. This is what I want to do in my life. Uh, this is how I want to have this summer. This is the vacation I want to have, etc. It's good to have those plans. It's awesome to have a plan. I was just talking uh, to Terry about plans I had earlier, uh, and I'm not going to go into them yet, but just different plans that were coming up that I was looking at. And he let me know something that might be different. And it is. It's like a punch in the face. You're like, oh, well, I plan this. But just because your plans change does not mean that, that you change negatively. It doesn't mean that your life changes negatively. It means that things are different. Just because you hit rock bottom doesn't mean the rest of, rest of your life is going to be rock bottom. Uh, I don't encourage you to go be on roller coasters right now. But if you have ever been on one, uh, every time they go down, they don't just keep going down. If that happened there'd have been one roller coaster in history and hopefully everybody else would have been like, well, this is a stupid idea. I'm never going to do this again. Uh, they always come back up. And that's life. Like, no matter how bad it gets, no matter how hard it gets, no matter what you go through, don't let people say, well, that's going to be passed and you don't have to worry about it and you'll be fine. I'm not saying that. But also don't say, yeah, this is the rest of my life. This is something that I struggle with more than anything else. I always feel uh, close to rock bottom. I always feel worthless. I always feel with no value. I always feel unloved. I always feel all of these things. And I can have people tell me, no, no, no. And I can have people text me and, and hug me and all of these things. Not right now, unless you can hug from six feet apart. But 
I've had people tell me these things and I felt the Lord tell me these things and it's still something I struggle with. And Jeremiah struggled with this for his life. But when your plans change, don't say, well, I'm just going to toss those away. It's over. Be like, okay, so that plan has changed probably or this course for my life has probably changed. Uh, I'm going to put that over here and I'm going to remember it. But what are some alternative plans? What are some other things I can look at? What are some other things that I can do with my life? What are some other things I can do with my summer? What are some other things I can do with my time? How can I leave the world better than it was before me? How can I leave the world a little bit better after me? However you want to say that. I messed it up. How can I do good in the world? How can I do something to matter? How can I have the life that I want or a life that I want? And, and the answer is always to look to God. The answer is always to understand that no matter how bad it gets, it's never going to stay that bad. Now, for some people, the, the rock bottom, the bad, the awful, the tragedies can last for a long, long time. The exile of Israel was close to 100 years. And that's a long time. Now, looking back over the course of history, 100 years isn't that much. But for the people alive there, many of the people who were exiled, they never got to come back to their home. Many of the people who, who were born... Uh, probably died before they ever saw Israel once. Like, that's difficult. Uh, in, in your life, there are people who have hit rock bottom and, and things have gotten even worse somehow, and, and it's hard. So how do you look at them and say, well, hey, it's going to be okay? For one, you know, say better than that. Say, okay, let's talk about it. Or, or if somebody's talking to you, like, hey, let's talk about it. This is how I feel right now. This is what I'm going through. Uh, what can I learn from this? What can God teach me through this? How can I give more to God? How can I find a better path? How can I do more for more people? Uh, going to the last part of the scripture here. Uh, verse 15. The Lord had given the following message to Jeremiah while he was still in prison. Say to Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian... Uh, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says, I will do to this city everything I have threatened. I will send disaster, not prosperity. Uh, you will see its destruction, but I will rescue you from those, who, those you fear so much. Because you trusted me, I will give, I will give your life, you your life as a reward. I will rescue you and keep you safe. I, the Lord, have spoken. Uh, let me get the name right. Ebed Melech, the Ethiopian. He was the one who rescued Jeremiah from the pit. Uh, I believe it's in 38. But regardless, uh, he had been told, the king and all the, the rulers and everybody else, all the politicians are like, you can't do that. Like, this isn't going to ride or it's not a real problem. Don't worry about it. And he listened to God and he went ahead and did it. He went against the majority and he went ahead and did it. And he was scared. He was scared for his life. Even with the exile, he didn't know what was going to happen. And God to Jeremiah, this is a time when Jeremiah probably hoped to hear, hey, it's going to be okay. And God said, hey, things are going to be worse even for a little while. But you're going to be okay. And this guy is going to be okay. Go tell him, hey, I am with you. Sometimes all that we have in our lives is the fact that God is with us. There have been times in my life that I have felt extremely alone in a lot of different ways. Uh, there have been times where I felt separate. And there have been times where I felt different. And all of these different things. And it's, it's very easy to look at a scripture and say, okay, well, God loves me. And it's very easy to, to go to someone and say, you know, hey, tell me that God loves me. And to know that. And so I'm not saying that if I just say these words that God is with you, that you're suddenly going to be like, oh, I don't have any problems anymore. I understand everything now because you're not going to. But you can understand that when you look at history, and the reason I wanted to go through this exile is because it's history. When you look at history, when you look at the history of your own life, 
you can see all of these different times that God lifted you up. You don't need people to say that. You can look back. I can look back over the course of my life all the way hundreds and hundreds of years back. And I can see these times that God was there that I didn't see him then. I didn't feel him then. But I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that. Or, oh, wow, I, I was directed this way and I never realized that. And I can see that now. Uh, Jeremiah and the Israelites, when they came back, and we'll get there, they probably could look back and be like, oh, man, I didn't realize this. Uh, after the golden calf, the ones who were alive still could have looked back and said, oh, man, it probably was a bad idea to go against the Lord. I understand that now. Or, oh, wow, look at what God did. I never actually put it down to, to see that each plague meant not just victory for us, but it was against a specific Egyptian deity. Or, or wow, uh, the parting of the Red Sea meant more than, than just crossing the sea. It meant opening a whole new world to us. It meant freedom. It meant all of these things. I, I can see that now. And in my own life, I can see that now. And so what I would say, when you get punched in the face, when you are at your worst, when everything feels awful, when you are being told, hey, this, this COVID thing may last a lot longer than we think, or, or this person over here doesn't believe in it, or this person over here thinks that you're dumb for following it, or whatever. You can say, okay, this hurts, this sucks. I've lost friends because of this. I've lost time. I've lost all of these things. So what's good? What, what slaps, so to speak? Uh, and, and you can say, okay, I'm going to take a moment and I'm going to look back at my life. And I'm going to look way, 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 if you can think this far back, before COVID. And I'm going to say, okay, how has life gone for me before then? Well, there are some bad times, but wow, oh, look at this good time. Look at this time that I had something good. Or, or, or man, I really, I, I was able to succeed when I didn't think I would. Or, or whatever. You look back and you can see God's hand. Uh, one of my favorite poems, and I'm not going to say it because I don't know it all by heart. Uh, but it's the Footsteps poem where uh, there's two pairs of footsteps in the sand and the guy looks at Jesus and said, hey, how come every time my life sucked, there's only one set of footsteps? Uh, where were you? And he's like, I was carrying you, dude. That is what we are facing here. No matter where you are in your life, no matter what's happening, no matter what expectations you have that are being dashed, no matter what plans you have that may be changing, we still serve the same God. Now, I'm not going to tell you your life's going to be easy. I'm not going to tell you that, that things are going to fall in place necessarily. But you keep following him and you understand that the same God who was there for Jeremiah, who was there for the people that followed him, who was there for, for Israel in the future, he's there for us. Because he created an entire world for us. He gave us life and he will be with us. I would love to tell you, and I say this often, I would love to tell you that the closer you get to him, the better your life will be, the less problems, the less pain, the less hurt, the less heartache. I'd love to tell you that. Now, overall, I believe the, your life will be way better because you'll have, you'll feel value. You'll feel a part of something. You'll feel him. You'll know that you're going somewhere, but you're still going to have failures and you're still going to have problems. You're going to still have people make fun of you. You're still going to lose people. It's still going to happen. But as long as there is life, there is hope. No matter what happens, as long as there is life, there is hope. So do not give up on yourself. And I said this last week and I'm saying it again today. Do not give up on yourself and do not give up on life and do not give up on God. Just do everything you can to do your best, to live your best life, to go forward doing everything you can for Him, being a force for good. And when things suck, when things hit you in the face, when things fall apart, don't give up. Try to think of different plans. Try to think of different ways. Like I said, I've had uh, 
a bunch of different ideas of what my life was going to be, and none of them were what it is now. Like, I didn't come up with this plan at all. It just kind of fell into place. But I know that this is where I should be, and I know this is what I should be doing. Uh, And so I believe the same will be true for you. So don't give up when things get hard. If school doesn't start on time, if you lose a sport, if you lose band, if you lose whatever, I cannot tell you that that it's necessarily going to be uh, joyful for you. But I can tell you that if you don't give up, things will get better. And you will get better. And you can help other people see that. So remember that. Move forward. As long as there is life, there is hope. That's all I got.